is brought to you as a joint initiative between Anubhav, the National Institute of Social Defense, Ministry of Social Justice and Empowerment, and Media for Community Foundation. Producers, Kowai Vani, Kowai Care Retirement Communities. If you are a senior citizen and need help, contact our elder helpline 14567 between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. We promise to help you lead a better life. I repeat, 14567 between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Today, we have with us Mr. Shyam Vishwanathan, who will talk to us about how he and his wife, Mrs. Vijay Lakshmi Vishwanathan, both at the very peak of their very bright careers, took a difficult and life-changing decision. They quit their jobs and moved from way up in North India, all the way down to Coimbatore in South India, so that they could take care of Shyam's father, who was suffering from Alzheimer's. Their inspiring personal experience as caregivers that involved great patience, ingenuity, mutual understanding and adjustments, as well as much emotional highs and lows, will touch the hearts of many listeners and guide many people in similar situations. Shyam Vishwanathan, an electrical engineer, is an MBA from the Faculty of Management Studies of Delhi University. He has vast experience in configuring and delivering solutions to large corporations in India, West Europe, Asia Pacific and the US. He has been the subject matter expert with SHRM and an empaneled faculty with Harvard Business School Publishing. He was the Associate Dean of Executive Education at the Indian School of Business, Hyderabad and consultant faculty in the area of people leadership, leadership of change and new initiatives, leadership of innovation and design thinking. Shyam teaches and consults with organizations worldwide. Vijay Lakshmi Vishwanathan, who qualified from the College of Engineering, Gindi, Chennai, is an MBA gold medalist from the Faculty of Management Studies, Delhi University. She also holds a master's degree in sociology. She has more than 30 years of experience in industry, as well as in executive capability development, and has worked in organizations such as Asian Paints, Fun School India, Mode Research, and NSI Sparta. She is also an independent faculty, coach, and consultant to organizations worldwide. Over to you, Shyam. I am Shyam Vishwanathan. I am in my early 60s, 63 to be precise, and my wife Vijayalakshmi is a year younger at 62. My father was a patient of Alzheimer's disease, and my wife and I took care of him for many years. I have been asked many times, what is it like to be the primary caregiver and a close family member of an Alzheimer's patient. My reply is usually to share the visual imagery of a cyclonic storm 
when the photograph is taken from a satellite. At the very center of the cyclone, you see the eye of the cyclone, which is quite calm and clear. And the Alzheimer's patient is very much like that, like the eye of a cyclone. They may be disoriented, they may feel confused from time to time, but by and large, they are unaware of what's happening to them and even more unaware of what is the impact on the family and close circle of friends who surround them. There is significant devastation that happens around the eye of the cyclone. And that devastation extends quite a distance. The family, the immediate family in particular, undergoes extreme stresses and many times the fallout is not very pleasant. I know many families who have an Alzheimer's patient, an elderly person, and children who take care of them are themselves in their 40s and 50s, and they go through some very difficult decisions. To give you an example, my wife and I had just about entered our 40s when my father was diagnosed as a patient of Alzheimer's disease. And as did his condition deteriorated over the years, over the next maybe seven or eight years, we reached a stage in our late 40s when I had just become the CEO of a consulting company and my wife was heading another company in Delhi and both of us were located in Delhi, Gurgaon. And we realized that it was impossible for my father to continue in that city. He could not take the Delhi winters anymore. We saw him suffering and he began to get lost when he went for walks, couldn't find his way back home, sometimes got lost in the uh, chaotic traffic of Gurgaon and uh, extremely stressful for everybody. And therefore, in our late 40s, with probably the best 12 or 15 years of our career ahead of us, both my wife and I resigned our jobs, gave up our careers, and decided to move to the southern part of the country to take care of my father and my mother. My mother was ailing too, and she could not take care of her husband anymore. Our children were still in university. And these are very, very difficult decisions because in your late 40s with two children, still to complete their education, and if you're not financially as secure as you would like to be, giving up your career at that stage can be a very traumatic decision. But we did. And we moved to Coimbatore in Tamil Nadu, uh, into a senior citizen's retirement community where my wife and I built our home so that my father could be taken care of in the security of a gated community where he was, where the weather was temperate and uh, traffic was not a risk uh, anymore within the gated community. So he could walk around in the fresh air without the risk of getting lost. So that is one example of the kind of a decision. And I've seen this happen in many families. I have seen where spouses not willing to make sacrifices I was fortunate that my wife resigned her job and, uh, and came with me to look after my father. It need not always happen. I have seen cases where spouses get into arguments, where marriages have been pushed to the brink of divorce, sometimes 
couples have actually divorced uh, because of the stress of taking care uh, of an Alzheimer's patient at home, which is extremely, extremely stressful. Because an Alzheimer's patient, as the disease progresses, becomes almost unmanageable. And the disease manifests in very, very different ways from case to case. Children in such families, grandchildren of the patient usually, undergo very different kinds of stresses themselves. For example, I remember that because my father, unaware of what he was doing because of the disease, would frequently try to engage with my daughters when they were studying for their exams. He would try to talk to them. Uh, it would be a disturbance to them. But yet they knew that it was a disease and he couldn't be held responsible. But the frustration would get to them. And I remember my elder daughter who was in college at that time, about maybe 18 years ago, left home and went to stay in a paying guest accommodation, although we were in the same city, because my father's frequent disturbances were really coming in the way uh, of her studies. Our younger daughter, who was in school and writing the class 12 exam, remember almost had a, an emotional breakdown uh, on one of the evenings uh, when she had to write a board exam paper the next day. And she was an outstanding student, well in line for an All India rank, but uh, she was disturbed by certain activities that went on at home because my father was having one of, having one of his not so good days. And she had a, a meltdown. And, you know, as parents, you have to uh, cope with a lot of those things. So sometimes these things happen. Sometimes if the siblings are taking care of the parents uh, and the, the, the parent is an Alzheimer's patient and you have more than one son or daughter, uh, sometimes there are differences of opinion between the patient's children as to uh, who should take care of the patient and when and for how long. Some siblings may be abroad and that becomes a, a reason why they are unable to take care of the Alzheimer's patient who is their parent. Certain sibling uh, or siblings may remain in India and uh, therefore the, a large part of the responsibility falls on them and sometimes uh, that may lead to sibling misunderstandings and a breakdown in the family. So these are disturbing things that happen around the eye of the cyclone. For grandchildren, apart from the kind of situations I described regarding my daughters, there is also a loss of affection. Uh, grandchildren and grandparents have a beautiful relationship where the grandparents now have more time to lavish love, even more time than they had been with their own children. Many of them are retired now and therefore they have the time to lavish more love and affection on grandchildren. And when you have an Alzheimer's patient, the grandchildren do tend to lose out on that love and affection because the patient hardly recognizes their own spouse, leave alone their children and grandchildren. And therefore, uh, it does uh, cause a certain amount of loss of affection. One of the things that my wife and I observed when we were going through those many years of taking care of my father was that there was no shortage of advisors. Most of them were well-wishers from our extended family, from our friend circle. And many of them, when they would come for short visits, would find that the outward behavior of my father was quite normal. And they would say, oh, there's nothing wrong with him. I think you're exaggerating. Or uh, they would be free with their advice on how to handle the patient, how to deal with the patient, all coming from good intentions. Um, but not really helpful at all, because 
the people who gave the advice wouldn't be able to deal with an Alzheimer's patient for more than maybe a few hours in reality. And uh, sometimes they lack the sensitivity to realize that they are actually talking to a person who's perhaps been living with that problem every hour of every day of every week of every month for many years and has obviously must have tried a variety of uh, ways and means by which to make things easier for the patient and for themselves. But of course, advice comes uh, in large measure and it's not always uh, very easy to be patient uh, with advisors and listen to them politely. The other problem that the immediate family faces is, particularly in India, an extremely severe shortage of home care nurses and attendants. Sometimes the patient does not sleep for three or four days continuously. They get, develop what is called restless feet syndrome and they keep walking around all 24 hours. Uh, even if they are exhausted, they just can't lie down and sleep. And that's that happens to many Alzheimer's patients. And when that happens, the immediate caregiver also uh, does not get any sleep. Uh, it's happened to me many times. And you have to stay awake to make sure that your patient, your father or your mother, whoever is the patient, in my case, it was the father, uh, does not uh, harm themselves or fall because of exhaustion or uh, do something else. Uh, I remember a time when my father... Uh, thought that he was holding a toothbrush when he was actually holding his uh, shaving razor in his hand and he was about to brush his teeth um, when I quickly managed to stop him. Now, when you have a patient like that, it's extremely, when, when, if they don't sleep for a few days continuously and um, when you lose sleep like that or uh, get disturbed in a similar way, it could lead to some psychological consequences for the immediate caregiver. So you require nurses trained attendants whom you can perhaps employ to give you some respite, but they are in very short supply. Nursing schools across the country uh, train nurses to take care of patients who are physically uh, disabled in some way or the other, physically injured or physically uh, challenged or uh, recovering from surgery. Uh, but very, very little uh, of their curriculum deals with how to deal with a patient with a mental health issue like Alzheimer's, who is very unpredictable, who can be aggressive, who can be abusive without realizing they are being ag aggressive and abusive, and uh, who can constantly put the caregiver under immense stress hour after hour after hour. Um, sometimes the patient will repeat the same question over and over and over again, 50 times, 100 times, having forgotten that they've already asked a question and received an answer. Now, dealing with a patient like that for days on end, for months on end, calls for a different set of skills and a different set of uh, fortitude. Uh, not too many nursing institutions in our country provide that kind of uh, training. Uh, and therefore, um, you don't get uh, too many home care nurses or attendants of the right training and attitude. The last point that I want to say about the family's experiences, if you have a, an elder in the house and you take care of them and they are maybe a cancer patient or a cancer survivor or in their terminal, terminal stages because of some other ailment and you're taking care of them, uh, they will bless you. When they go away, they leave their blessings with you because they know that what you've done for them is something good, something wonderful, something affectionate. With a dementia patient or an Alzheimer's patient, 
they don't even know you. They don't recognize you. They don't recognize their spouse. They don't recognize their children who are taking care of them. And therefore, there's no question of them blessing you. In fact, if some of the manifestations of the disease are uh, that the patient gets abusive, aggressive, then while you're taking care of them, you are at the receiving end of their aggression and their abuse and uh, rather than their blessings. So, And that can be quite, uh, uh, quite traumatic when you uh, do get into it. And then, of course, there are the legal issues. My father, for example, forgot how to sign. So it became a big issue in banking. How does he sign his checks? A lot of the accounts were in his name and we faced a lot of legal issues and his uh, annual pension, the life certificate. He had to go and sign for it. He had to be taken there to the bank for him to sign the life certificate in those days. And that was an ordeal, right? Simple thing like he required a cataract surgery. Take him to the hospital, got his cataract surgery done, but not understanding that he had to keep the bandage on uh, for a few hours after the surgery, he would try to keep on ripping it off. And therefore, uh, you know, my wife and I had to be there with him constantly. Uh, so there are a lot of things that happen when you get into uh, the care of a, a patient like that. I spoke to a lot of people those years. And one psychologist explained this to me. Uh, when I shared my frustration, my agony, uh, my insecurities, uh, gave up my job, my wife gave up our, her job, our financial security was not what it should be. And year after year of taking care of uh, an Alzheimer's patient takes an incredible psychological toll on you as the primary caregiver. And I was talking to one of the psychiatrists and he said something which made a mark on me. He says, you have to decide whether you're a caregiver or you're a loved one. If you continue to see yourself as a as a beloved son, and if your wife continues to see herself as a daughter-in-law, your frustration will be manifold because you will also be frustrated at the opportunity cost or the loss of affection that you're suffering from in addition from the stress and strain of actually looking after uh, your father. But if you see yourself as a professional caregiver who's doing your duty, he says, it may become a little bit easier for you to cope with this. We tried that and we tried to learn it. Maybe we did, uh, uh, did do a little bit better in the way we managed our own uh, psychological health. What can you do if you see a friend or a family member in the extended family going through this experience? My first request is, please do not offer advice unless you've been through a similar situation yourself. Offer more empathy. Let them know that you understand how difficult, how almost impossible the situation is, but withhold the temptation to offer advice. Rather than offer opinions, it would be more practical assistance if you could volunteer for providing some respite assistance. If you could volunteer and tell them, okay, why don't you go and watch a movie or go out somewhere? I'll take care of your father or your mother for four or five hours which should be manageable if you are a member of the extended family or a neighbor or a close friend, gives the primary caregiver a little bit of respite. Or they may want to attend a marriage. And you say, okay, don't worry, please go ahead. If it's for half a day or a day, I'll take care of your parent while you're gone. That is of far more value uh, to a primary caregiver than advice. Just being a good listener and a patient listening post, allowing the caregiver to vent their frustration, talk about it, 
just listen and offer a shoulder is wonderful if you can find the time to do it. Encourage the primary caregiver not to withdraw from their own work and their own entertainment needs, not to lose focus on their own health and emotional needs, and offer your company and your support for them to talk and share their feelings. For the country at the national level, it's very, very necessary to bring in dementia care into nursing curriculum, increase dramatically the training platforms for home care nurses for Alzheimer's patients and dementia patients. The volumes of such patients has gone up dramatically in the last few years in this country because with improving healthcare, you don't die in your 50s or your 60s anymore. Most people live up to their 80s and 90s. So healthcare has increased longevity. But dementia, which shows up in your 60s, sometimes in your 70s, does not allow you to live with dignity in the last 10 or 15 or 20 years of your life. And this is a paradox. It's a tragic paradox. But well, healthcare has improved. So people live longer. Dementia is there. So many people who get dementia in their 60s and 70s suffer and their family suffers even more than the patient. And therefore, if that is the reality, then we have to increase uh, the number of nurses and attendants who can at least be of some help in taking care of such patients, either at home or in institutions. Daycare centers have to increase so that when there are people like us, we had to give up our jobs, my wife and I. But not too many people may be able to do that. Lower middle class people, middle class people may just not be able to do that. Husband and wife have to go to work and they've got a dementia patient at home, an Alzheimer's patient at home. In which case, daycare centers can help. Just like you leave your children in a daycare center or a creche, you leave the Alzheimer's patient in a daycare center, which has got trained staff to look after them during the day. Leave them there when you're going to work in the morning. Pick them up when you're coming back home in the evening. Uh, you get some respite and you can continue to earn your livelihood. Uh, respite homes, short duration respite homes are very, very necessary. And the government and the private sector needs to look at this very seriously. You're, you, you're taking care of an Alzheimer's patient. You've got to go and visit your own children and stay with them for a month or a month and a half because your children are saying you're looking after grandpa, grandpa, but you don't come and meet me or you don't come and spend time with me. Okay, if you have a respite home that can take care of your patient for a month or a month and a half or two months, that's extremely valuable. And it, therefore, it's necessary to create a large number of respite homes uh, across the country. And finally, when it becomes impossible to take care uh, of the patient at home, like it happened with my father in the last year and a half, uh, doctors told me that uh, you can't take care of him anymore at home because uh, he could hurt himself, he could damage himself, and his agitation, his aggression, his restlessness had become unmanageable. And he needed professional care 24 by 7, round the clock. And that stage, when the patient reaches that stage, you need to uh, take them to a residential care center that will take care of him with love and affection and take good care of them till the end. I found it very difficult to locate such a such a, an institution. I found only one, and that is where my father spent the last year of his life, an institution in Bangalore called the Nightingale's Medical Trust, Alzheimer's Residential Facility. And But then that's the only one in the country uh, at that time. Maybe there are a few more now, but we need many, many more now because just given the boom in the Alzheimer's cases across the country. And therefore, 
I hope this last maybe about 20 minutes or 25 minutes, I've been able to share a little bit of what the family goes through and uh, what can others do to be helpful and extend practical assistance to immediate caregivers with this dreaded disease uh, increasing rapidly in our country as it is in many parts of the world. Thank you very much. I'm so moved by Sham's very candid and powerful presentation that I am at a loss for words. Whatever I say will not capture the full and true emotional impact of what I and the listeners feel at the moment. I think we have all learned a lot about courage, sensitivity, love, how to manage difficult situations, and above all, about how to not lose sight of the most practical issues. He has not only guided us about how to take care of our loved ones who are afflicted, but also pointed out how others, be it extended family, friends, guests, or outsiders, should conduct themselves. Thank you, Shyam and Vijay, for agreeing to talk to us today about what, at times, must have been rather painful memories. We are very grateful that you were able to share your experience with us. On behalf of Kovevani, this is Malati Jayakumar signing off with the excellent presentation still ringing in my ears. Thank you. Thank you, Sham, once again. சமூக நீதி மற்றும் அதிகாரம் அளித்தல் அமைச்சகம் மற்றும் மீடியா ஃபார் கம்யூனிட்டி பவுண்டேஷன் இவர்களின் கூட்டு முயற்சியாக உங்களிடம் கொண்டு வரப்பட்டது திட்ட ஒருங்கிணைப்பாளர்கள் டாக்டர் ஆர் ஸ்ரீதர் மற்றும் ஆலோக் வர்மா அவர்கள் வானொலி ஒருங்கிணைப்பாளர்கள் பூஜா முராடா கௌசல்யா மற்றும் சாய் சுதா அவர்கள் தயாரிப்பாளர்கள் கோவை வாணி கோவை கேர் ரிட்டையர்மெண்ட் கம்யூனிட்டிஸ் நீங்கள் ஒரு மூத்த குடிமகனாக இருந்து உதவி தேவைப்பட்டால் எங்கள் எல்டர் லைன் ஹெல்ப் லைனை தொலைபேசி எண் ஒன்று நான்கு ஐந்து ஆறு ஏழு இல் தொடர்பு கொள்ளவும் காலை எட்டு மணி முதல் இரவு எட்டு மணி வரை ஒரு சிறந்த வாழ்க்கையை வாழ உங்களுக்கு உதவி செய்ய நாங்கள் உறுதி அளிக்கிறோம் மறுபடியும் கேளுங்கள் தொலைபேசி எண் ஒன்று நான்கு ஐந்து ஆறு ஏழு காலை எட்டு மணி முதல் இரவு எட்டு மணி வரை Be safe. Fight COVID with two vaccinations. Wear a mask when you go out. Keep safe distance. Observe proper hygiene. We must win. We will win. Thank you.